Very good morning to everybody in Malaysia, all across Malaysia. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Patrick, and good morning to our to our listeners this morning. Welcome back to Catholics at Home on this Saturday morning. 
we have this appointment every Saturday morning at 10.30 to bring you some yeah. interesting topics of conversation. Yeah, so that you'll never walk alone on Saturday morning. <laughs> at least you'll have the team here on Catholics at Home bringing you um, some interesting content. And Father, today we've got really, really hot off the press, right? Uh, 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 the topic that everybody is talking about, especially since yesterday. Yeah, Patrick, I mean, we didn't plan for this. Uh, I look at it as, as providential. Uh, it so happened that, you know, we had a kind of a PM speech and we wanted to talk a little bit about where Malaysia is heading in this. You know, we already we already have a, a health crisis. We have a, we're having an economic crisis. We're having a political crisis. Uh, you know, there's a kind of a fatigue, you know, on the ground. So perhaps we thought we'd, we'd talk about this. Uh, and yeah. So by divine providence, uh, we were able to engage in this conversation in a more profound way, uh, having seen uh, what happened yesterday. I think, but yeah. I think before before we, we kind of jump in and bring in our guests, I'm sure everybody is, is kind of waiting to to listen to our guest this morning. You know, the, the, the opening song. Of course, you know, as you said, you never walk alone. I'm sure all the Liverpool fans are, are all jumping for joy, yes. including including our tech team, uh, uh, Alex and Mark, I'm sure. And Mark, yes. They're, yes. they're probably grinning from year to year. Uh, but it's a very powerful song. Uh, and I think we, we, our resident team uh, in, in Catholics at Home have come up with this song, you know, just to offer hope at this time. And I think during this pandemic, this song has been played in so many different ways in so many parts of the world. Uh, just to tell people, don't give up, you know, hang in there. You know, there is a, there is a light just that we need to hold on uh, you know, to, to one another, to offer each other support. And, and this is our contribution, our contribution to, to all our listeners out there uh, that you know, don't give up, you know, that we will, we will cross this hurdle. Yes, amen, amen. And I think very importantly, as we are going through this process, you know, we are of getting uh, our double dosages, of, of getting vaccinated. And you know, the hope is really that when we hit that, that critical number of herd immunity we can all get back to some sense of normalcy you know and you know that's something that that we can all hope for you know but we also need to address all these these issues that we are dealing with uh, you know um, like what you said all this fatigue that's coming uh, hitting us all at once so maybe we want to bring in our our two yeah. special guests maybe just Maybe just to call out a few people uh, who are here this morning. Oh. Our usual, our usual, our usual uh, guests who tune in every Saturday morning just to. So say today, hi to them. oh yes, I see all our some of our regulars there. Uh, Philomena Peterson is here. Hi from uh, Divine Mercy Shalom. Gita, good morning, and uh, Arisa, good morning, and Dutch and Duchess Mark, uh, good morning. Uh, all those from the diocese of Miri, Malaka Joho, Penang. Uh, good morning to everybody. Christine Ku, Janet Chan, uh, Balingun, Ida Kulong. Good morning to all of y'all. So please, guys, um, as you are, as we are um, um, live now, please continue to share the link and uh, like and subscribe us. Whether you're following us on YouTube or you're following us on on Facebook, uh, please continue to share because we've got lots and lots of clips that's available um, on YouTube and also on on facebook and we'll be coming up with even uh, shorter clips you know uh, excerpts um from our interviews that we will also be posting so please continue to like and share um so that we can hit our uh you know the target subscribers to this channel yeah so, know, just listening i mean patrick 
it's it's about 18 months since we have been been online since we came online and i think we are on episode 72 i think uh this week you know uh, we've been faithfully keeping so we need the support of everyone to keep us motivated also to keep us going yes. you know and, and to share this video so that they can be of some help to somebody uh, who's listening and to be able to inspire others so don't forget to to share subscribe uh the videos that, that we have uh, both on facebook and also our youtube channels and every time that we go live please continue to comment you know we want to hear from you we want to hear your comments your questions even tonight uh, today when we're having our show uh, if you got any questions uh, please just put it in the comment section and uh, we will try to bring it up to our guests and try to answer your questions today All just right? before we go just before we go talk about comments patrick yeah just just very quickly mm. i want to just jump in and say you know you know there are many ways of making comments and we always welcome constructive comments you know uh yes suggestions to help us you know and i think we are a, we are a christian platform let's be kind to one another not that we don't accept you know everyone has a right to 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 the their own view but i think let's let's be constructive let's be proactive to help one another and i think these are the channels that we are, we offer to ask people to to be to show our our our, our christian virtues of kindness of gentleness of compassion and to share mm -hmm. uh, with one another yep yep that's true that's true so uh maybe since we've got our two guests uh, uh waiting offline yes uh maybe we can bring them into the conversation uh let's welcome our two special guests for today um yb kasturi pato we bring uh yb first huh? yeah sure i guess she she does not need any introduction yes um those of you who know uh yb kasturi is not uh new to our uh not new to cat six at home she has been our guest regularly um so welcome yb how are you doing thank you good morning father patrick uh thomas uh, and everyone and, uh, good. and we also welcome uh thomas fan the chairman of birthday 2.0 Thank you guys for you know we know it's Thank a you. very very busy uh, time especially today uh, but you guys have made it and uh, are giving us the time to 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 have this conversation so we want to thank you very much thank you so i'm uh, sure i'm sure your your phones have all been lighting up since last <laughs> night uh, you know with uh, with uh, what the prime minister announced people must be asking you opinion so as we mentioned we didn't plan this to coincide with that but it so happened uh but before we we, we jump into you know the hard questions of course why we saw you smiling from year to year with the with the opening song uh yes. you know like you know, reflect <laughs> your own team yeah i'm sure we... <laughs> anyway right but i think i think it it kind of you know tugs the heart uh, of what's happening uh around uh here in malaysia in the region uh, throughout the world um, there is so much of of despair uh, so much of hopelessness uh, helplessness also the kind of a, a situation that, that we are seeing uh, but you know before we kind of jump into the conversation yb you know i think you kind of encapsulate what many malaysians are, are feeling you know uh, we want to show you this little video and i think that really really captures what all of us are feeling so let's just look at this uh yeah so it's been going around so there's nothing there's, there's no secret so we just want to kind of play this to to kind of bring into context what we feel 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so you put Action your head. speaks louder than words, huh? Yeah. So we didn't have the audio, but you actually put your head under the table and you kind of uh, palmed your 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 forehead. I guess you know, even without words, that kind of says a lot. What what not just what you are feeling, but what many of us are feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we we get into the into the difficult questions, why be? What's the situation on the ground? I, I, we know that you have been doing a lot of work uh, in in your in your constituency with people, helping them with food. Uh, what's it been like? Um, thank you, Father, uh, and thank you for that clip. Uh, it it <laughs> was viral, and I I actually can't really remember when it actually happened, but I'm guessing maybe late last year. Um, so. I think like like me, many um, uh, MPs, state assembly persons and civil society, even religious leaders have been on the ground just to help families uh, to put food on the table. Um, last year during the, the lockdown, there was an uncertainty of whether or not they'll still have their jobs, whether they'll still be able to, to be financially stable or will they be able to survive the next few months to come. But today, it is so dire that they don't even know if they can they have enough money to buy food and feed their family. So first and foremost, that's what we're doing on the ground, which is to ensure that there's enough food uh, for for my constituents. Um, secondly, of course, uh, it would be to address all the specific issues, you know, uh, uh, milk formulas for babies and diapers for them, adult diapers, uh, sanitary pads for women. I mean, period poverty is something not many are talking about, and the government has yet to react and address this uh, issue. Um, but on the other hand, we also see uh, business owners, you know, crying out to us, uh, you know, they, they still have to continue servicing loans, they still have to continue paying their workers, uh, and the F&B industry has been hit so bad. In fact, every single industry in the country has been hit very badly, from the smallest to the biggest, uh, except that if you're lucky to get a meaty letter, then your factory will be allowed to run. Um, but with the exception of that, you know, everyone else is it's really hitting home, uh, the pandemic. And I think most importantly, it's how we the government has been managing the pandemic over the past uh, eight months. Last year was was all right. Uh, you know, the, we, we, we were so proud to see single-digit positive cases. Uh, and, you know, that would make news on social media. All our social media posts would be like, oh, we've got one case today. And... and Every single death that we experienced last year, I don't know if you remember, but if there was one person who died, it was like all social media posts, crying emoji, and everyone's like with all their gifs of of being so hopeless and crying and upset. And yesterday we had 277 people and we're like, oh, but it's less than the day before. You know, we've become so desensitized to it. And I remember last year, one person died and I would just be so upset about it. I am still upset. You know, but it's been such a daily ordeal to read this, and it's over time you just you just wonder when this is going to end. You know, so we're trying to give moral support out. The next day, government has uh, is uh, on on route to training uh, uh, state assemblymen and MPs, office staff, to be the first point of help if someone calls and says, "I'm having, I'm depressed, and I feel like killing myself, and I don't know what to do," and, and you know, on on. At the end of my line, etc. So we're having like a few days calls just to give us a bit of insight on how do we handle these cases first before we transfer them over to uh, civil society or experts who will be able to counsel them better. 
What are, what are the sentiments? Right, you kind of said what's happening on the ground. What are the sentiments among among your colleagues, fellow members of parliament? We have we have we have had a uh, we started off with with a health crisis that led to an economic crisis, uh, and now we are faced with. Of course, we started with a political crisis. Let's not forget, you know, uh, in February yeah. last year. Uh, but we are back to that. What what are the sentiments among your colleagues uh, in parliament? Um, at this moment, the reaction to what the Prime Minister announced yesterday, um, Father, is really, um, I would say, of uncertainty as well. While we are united uh, in rejecting the offer by the Prime Minister, um, uh, which is too little too late, um, but what is the way forward? Um, how are we going to move forward on this? And it, it's it's we've never been faced with this kind of a situation before, where if you remember yesterday, the prime minister did mention that no single MP can command the majority of support in the house, but maybe he forgot that he too doesn't command the majority of support in the house, uh, except that he's in a position now that he's coming out to barter and trade with us. Um, I know I like I like what. Uh, um, in essence, I like what he offered. Uh, Let me just hold on. Just, just, just a second, we, We'll come. We'll come to the PM speech yesterday. Okay. Uh, okay. In, in okay. a short while. Uh, but so, it's I mean, a. Well, amongst there, is, is, there's been a lot of your... views, opinions, uh, uh, okay. discussions. Um, Are you frustrated? Tired? Also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's political fatigue. It's the COVID fatigue. It's lockdown fatigue. Uh, but. But following what has been happening in Parliament the week before last, last week, and now uh, it's political fatigue as well. Um, but but then you know at the end of the day it is it is hope. You know you you look forward to what what is coming after this and how do you strategize and how do you go back to the drawing board and say okay this is what has been said and this is how we're going to react to it. At the end of the day, it is to come out of this uh, uh, COVID safely, this pandemic, this raging pandemic safely. Uh, and also to stabilize the political situation in the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe um, from from uh, um, a civil society uh, perspective, from Bersay, maybe Thomas, you could share um, what are the sentiments um, on the ground from where uh, you see it. You know, from 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 Bersay's perspective, health, economic, and now political. What are the sentiments like? Yeah, I think. Uh, when the Sheraton move happened about 18 months ago, I think it came as a shock to many people uh, that a duly elected government like Pakatan Harapan uh, could be toppled in this manner almost uh, within overnight. It is actually stretched to about a week uh, before finally there was some uh, outcome where we saw that uh, the government was overthrown. And I think that, uh, in terms of democracy, I think disheartened a lot of people. Uh, people are disillusioned, and they are asking question: What is the point of voting then, uh, in a general election, when my vote can be changed midterm just by a handful of uh, politicians who, for their own reasons, uh, choose to defect? And I think that situation continued and in many ways exacerbated uh, because right after that, uh, the following uh, month in, in March, we have this uh, COVID pa pandemic 
and the country went into the first lockdown on the 18th of uh, March last year. Uh, and of course, with, with a prolonged lockdown, we we have the consequence of uh, the economic uh, situation of people. So I think Brussels, though we are a purely electoral reform, pro-democracy uh, watchdog, uh, we couldn't sit back and do nothing. So what, what we did was that we initiated a campaign called Makan Kongsi, where the original aim was to raise money from the public to feed the homeless. But that evolved into basically what it is right now, uh, a campaign where we raise money from the public and we give small grants to the many, many local heroes on the ground who are looking out for the poor and needy in their midst. Because these are the people who saw the need with their own eyes and they wanted to to respond to feed the poor and the hungry but uh, they have no means of raising funds so what brussels yeah. has over the year is that we have built a certain uh reputation and support base so we call on people to donate the first uh, lockdown the the three months of the campaign we raised about five hundred and sixty thousand ringgit and we gave out every single cent to all these local Makan Kongsi partners, we call them. Then this second time, the lockdown, uh, we started Makan Kongsi 2.0 and Brise took a back seat and more as a supervisory role. And we put in a new team to run it and they did it so tremendously well. And uh, right now, two months into the campaign, they have raised 1.3 million uh, ringgit and uh, wow. given out most of this money already uh, to 100 over uh, local NGO or individuals nationwide. I think this is a program that covers the whole nation, every single state. And our criteria is very simple. We help those who are really vulnerable in need and nobody is helping them. So it includes um, uh, urban poor, rural poor, Malaysian, refugees, migrant workers, uh, homeless people, uh, all these communities uh, are receiving uh, some sort of help, food aid from us. Uh, I think this is what, what is needed right now. We, we need a whole society approach, every single one. We don't just look to the, the politician, the elected or non-elected in our community to help us, but we as citizens, you know, uh, if we have any influence, uh, we look out for our neighbors uh, during this very, very difficult time. And, and I think what is uh, disappointing really to a lot of Malaysians is that in the midst of this crisis, the political crisis that started with the Sheraton move uh, never ended. You know, there was a, not a moment of stability and politicking and dirty politicking and uh, bribery to try to bring people to defect. So what Brussels has uh, done over this period is that we look at what caused the Sheraton move, what are the political weaknesses in our current system. And then we did commission about 14 research to make recommendation to rectify, to plug all these loopholes so that we can come out from this crisis 
both health, economic, and political crisis stronger, even as a country. So um, that that is what we have been uh, busy uh, and But we want to say, don't lose hope. You know, the fight is still on for our country. We're, we're going to come back. We're going to come back to that fourteen recommendations. I'm going to put it against the seven uh, kind of uh, uh, what we call it is uh, peace offering that was made yesterday. Uh, we'll come back to that in a short while. But why we oh. just want to ask you? I think I, I think uh, Thomas alluded to it. You know. We cannot look towards politicians. Okay, this is not directed to you in any way. We talk about we talk about you know there's 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 lockdown fatigue. We talk about there's virtual fatigue. Is there political fatigue, or if I may be more direct, is there politician fatigue among Malaysians? Um, I think there is. Um, a lot of people are frustrated to see the direction of the country, uh, which lacks leadership. Um, they were frustrated when they watched Parliament. The first day of Parliament on the 26th of July, it was like a full-blown shouting match. Um, you know, the first few hours of the, the day was just full of yelling at each other and, and all that. And people were like, these are MPs we voted for, is it? And then look at them behaving like this in Parliament. Um, but then um, it it also reflected how much we need political education in the in the country. Uh, MPs don't need to shout and scream and yell if we're given a platform to speak. And even though our opinions may differ from each other, we have a right to be heard also in Parliament. Um, and uh, But it was interesting to see the reaction of young people, uh, men and women on social media, who were giving their opinions on what happened uh, on the 26th of July. Um, but, but these are the ones who are privy to social media, the ones who are on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What happens to those who are not? You know, there is a situation of, uh, you know, whatever, lah, you know, that kind of uh, a mood also on the ground. You know, it doesn't matter which government is, is leading the country. As long as we have food to eat, as long as I get my job back, as long as my family is safe, uh, as long as there's some hope of normalcy in the months to come. Um, but I think therein lies uh, uh, the problem. It is, it is important which government uh, leads the country because that government then will put the needs of the people ahead of their political survival, will put the need of the country, will, put, will prioritize fighting this pandemic together. Uh, you know, it's so rhetoric and lip service to say, oh, we need to be in this together. We have to put our differences aside. Yes, we all have been putting our differences aside to come together. What we want to see is a plan. Is there a big grand master plan or is there a small plan or is there an exit plan? But you have to have something, you know, and that's what we lack. So I, 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 I'm not in denial. When I go out and meet people, I know they're frustrated. When I meet them, they say, I've lost my job, you know, and, and my children have lost their jobs. We don't know where we're going to go. We haven't paid rent. You know, how are we going to move forward from this? And I feel stuck because I'm not financially able to also help them with our allocations cut when the government changed, um, just to keep them afloat, you know. And that's where, like what Thomas mentioned, is the public outpouring of support. Uh, we have donors who have come forward to say that we'd like to help you to do this and that, and you know, and and in return, with the money that was given by the government, we 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 bought food baskets from small kedai runcits rather than buying them from hypermarkets and supermarkets, which already have can you know have made their money. 
So we invest in small kedai just to keep them afloat. And they then help other smaller kedai as well, you know. So, um, but coming back to the political situation uh, in the country, I hope that there is, that, that, I hope that Malaysians still hold on to hope um, and, and not give up. And it's also very exciting and interesting times. Um, you know, we, we see things being unraveled and revealed every day. Every day there's something new uh, coming out, you know. But as, as a lawmaker, I have many concerns of where are we going to get the money that was announced by the PM to give people, you know, how are children going to start school in September if that's really going to happen? Um, you know, how, how are our frontliners still working around the clock and how, how do they still keep their mental health uh, uh, intact, you know, and, and, and healthy uh, at this point in time? And, you know, how are women affected by it? How are uh, minority groups and the disabled children affected by it? How are our so faith do, so affected yeah, by it? Yeah. Do, we, do, we think, do we think that, you know, you, t you talk about people are tired, uh, there's fatigue. Uh, I'm going to play the devil's advocate, ironically, uh, <laughs> uh, in the sense that do you think I, I allude to the fact politician fatigue? Because you know why, why I say this is maybe maybe Thomas can 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 dive in here. We oh. see young people coming out to the streets now, even in the in, in the pandemic. You know, uh, we have had a demonstration. Uh, young people, we have young doctors coming out to to voice out. Do you think young people have lost hope in politicians making change that they are now taking their own future into, you know, I mean, in a sense, into their own hands that they want to be heard rather than running to their MP? Sorry, uh, YB, it, it, in no way it's, it's uh, you know, addressing anything. But I say it seems as though that, of course, even Berse, when we had Berse, that many of us were there, a lot of young people, but there's a kind of a, a different mood now. You know they are taking the bulls by by its horns. Uh, is that something that 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 young people are, are, are frustrated, uh, Thomas? From your your perspective? Yeah, I mean uh, definitely um, a lot of people are frustrated, and uh, young people um, are some of them are taking that mindset that uh, the politicians have failed us, the political system as builders, we have to take back our country, we have to throw all these people out. But I, I just want to say that uh, that is not uh, the view that Brasset takes. In fact, I want to just correct a minor uh, statement, I think, Father, that you made just now that uh, I said, don't look to the politician, you know. But I said, don't just look to the politician, but all of us need to play our part as well, uh, together actually with the politician. And for us, uh, I think it is, uh, we are at that point where some people, not just young people, are thinking that uh, the, the politicians have failed us. Uh, yes, there are a lot of disappointment, as uh, Kasturi pointed out. When we look at some of the politicians in parliament, the behavior of them, I mean, we, we have to, to block the ears of our children from listening to all this shameful conduct. And we, take, we try to teach our children to behave and yet we are seeing our leaders in parliament, you know, behaving really uh, terribly. But I want to say that the, uh, the path to nation building, the path to, um, to, to 
to really building and contributing to this country, uh, it is still that we need we need a system of government, and we need people in government. We need people in politics. So my challenge, you know, to people and also to constantly uh, put out the word is that uh, yes, we have problem, but let's fix the problem. If you think that you can be a solution, offer yourself, you know, in the political arena, like young people like Kasturi and many others who has come forward to offer themselves to clean up the politics, to make it more professional, you know, less toxic and more inclusive uh, and compete on ideas, not on divisive issues like race and religion. Uh, so the, the, the challenge is that, but recognizing that right now, uh, there are some young people who are frustrated going to the streets. Um, we, we, we ask for, for, for them to be given the space because everyone has their right to express their dissatisfaction in a peaceful way. And, uh, but I think we need to hear their concerns and try to address those concerns. YB, to bring you back, so I think Thomas has given you some hope. There's, 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 still, there's still work for, for parliamentarians uh, to do uh, in that sense. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> to work together. Now let's, let's, let's bring, let's identify the, the elephant in the room, uh, which is yesterday's, uh, yesterday's peace offering. Uh, would you like to break it down for us, just for our, for our listeners you know, who didn't follow, uh, who are picking up bits and pieces here and there, Break it down for us uh, in, in simple language. Uh, what was it? What was that all about? Um, so yesterday, the Prime Minister, uh, in his usual um, addressing the nation session, um, made a few peace offerings, in my opinion. Uh, and these peace offerings comes at a time where his support uh, of uh, um, leadership as the Prime Minister is questioned uh, and is unstable. Now, how a prime minister is elected into office is that he must prove that he has a majority support of MPs in the House. And this is, this is in the federal constitution. If the, if the said MP cannot prove that he has majority support, which is enough numbers, then he cannot put himself out there to be prime minister. While uh, Tansri Mayadin Yasin mentioned a few times that no single MP, uh, in his opinion, has, uh, can command that kind of support in the House, um, perhaps he failed to also think, uh, re remind himself that he too doesn't have uh, majority support in the House with the pull out of 12 AMNO MPs from the Aprikata National um, uh, Coalition. So, uh, and I think he must have consulted and spoken to uh, his fellow colleagues uh, and perhaps also the MP for Tambun, the one who has been recently appointed as, as his advisor who was seen in a video yesterday eating curry mee in Putrajaya, uh, which was actually very done in such bad taste, um, has, had come out with a few peace offerings. Uh, and one of it was uh, to, to... And it, it's actually quite surprising because uh, yesterday, 277 Malaysians or people died in Malaysia due to COVID and he did not make a single statement on it. Uh, people are committing suicides and he didn't make a, a single statement or have a PC like the one he had yesterday. 
um, and uh, uh, and to date, almost 12,000 people in Malaysia have died due to COVID, and the PM has not made an official statement like the one he did yesterday. But yesterday's one was special because it was actually a message reaching out not for the people but for MPs. Uh, and MPs from the other side and maybe even MPs from within his coalition who may, may be withdrawing support uh, for him. So the first thing he said was that he would like to see MPs from the opposition being given equal allocation. Now, it has been practiced in Malaysia for decades that the government of the day does not give equal allocation money for development and for funds for MPs constituencies, which means that um, you don't get allocation of money to run your office, to pay your staff salary, to pay rent. You don't have money for small projects like to fix your parade, your longkang, lights. You don't have money for any uh, disasters in case there's fire, there's flood. You don't have this kind of money to give out for aid, you know, uh, education aid for health, uh, etc., to organize events, programs, workshops and all that. So it has been it, it has been such a culture that the government of the day will then appoint somebody in the constituency and channel money for the constituency to somebody else, not the rightful elected rep for the constituency. Now he wants to offer that olive branch to say he wants to give us equal allocation. We appreciate it, but it's a little bit too late now at this point. Um, he also mentioned that there will be uh, an increase of allocation for, for, for tackling COVID to 110 billion ringgit. So while while the, the the money the amount of money has been announced, my my worry is where are we getting this extra money from? Uh, where are we borrowing the, this money from? And who has given us this money? And if yes, under what condition uh, had been imposed for us to pay back, etc. Um, Ten billion ringgit had been allocated to be given out for eleven million people in the country as I think one of financial aid. What is the mechanism? How much of money will actually be given? Who are the target groups? We still don't know that yet. Um, he also uh, proposed that uh, a motion be moved in Parliament uh, to table an amendment to the federal constitution to limit the term of the prime minister. Now, I don't know why he has chosen this time to do it. Um, and I think it's quite sinister in nature. Um, but maybe we can talk about that later. Uh, he also proposed that with that and with the support of two-thirds MPs in Parliament, he will also table the anti-hopping bill. Now, don't forget, it was his government many, many months ago when we brought up this anti-hopping proposal to be to be tabled in Parliament that they vehemently objected it, saying that it was ultra-various, it was against the federal constitution, Article 10C, which is the right to association, which means if today I'm a member of DAP, Tomorrow, I decide to leave my party and be independent or join another party. I'm prohibited to do so because of this. So they use this kind of arguments to say, no, it will be unconstitutional and all that, which is actually surprising now that the prime minister is saying, this is something that I, I want to put forward. And I hope with the support of majority MPs, two thirds, that, uh, um, uh, uh, that this bill will be debated and passed in parliament. But you know, all this is just on the surface, you know, the devil is in the details. He mentioned that we will have 50% uh, of uh, opposition MPs and 50% government MPs in select committees. Now, again, because of a single government that had been in power for six decades, we had not seen or heard what select committees in parliament are. In UK, for example, which is which is the model that Malaysia uh, follows, uh, which is the Westminster system, they have many select committees. Select committees are small groups uh, that cons 
compromises of MPs from government and opposition, uh, and sometimes ex-official members of government agencies or ministries who sit in these select committees. So you can have select committees on issues, for example, tabling the sexual harassment bill, which is a new act uh, we want to see tabled and passed in the Malaysian parliament. You could have a special select committee with MPs who know the subject, experts, who want to give their opinion, who come from that sort of a background so they can give their input and clean up the act, the legal language, the implication, etc. Uh, you could invite the bar council, you could invite women organizations to be on board to give their input and all that. Or you could have a select committee that would be there and uh, always, for example, a select committee on citizenship. That would be something that would only look at citizenship issues. It could be one on custodial debts. It could be one on child marriages. It could be one to mirror the cabinet. Uh, you have one on Ministry of Finance. You have a select committee on finance. So it is how we want to see, how we want to set up these select committees. But we've not seen much of that over the years. So this is what one of the things is promised. Another one is the Undi 18. So if you remember a few years ago, um, uh, there was an amendment to the federal constitution to lower the voting, the age of voting from 21 to 18, which means even for candidates to be 18 as well. Uh, he said he will he will make that happen and something like that. I don't know what he really means because the constitutional amendment is there. Perhaps it would mean other acts that need to be amended in line with that constitutional amendment. Um, he also offered uh, that the opposition leader in parliament be upgraded to um, uh, uh, senior minister status, which means, you know, perhaps with all the perks that a senior minister would enjoy. Uh, I don't know what is the significance of this as well. Uh, if it doesn't look like bribery, then I don't know what it actually is. He also said that with adequate support, bipartisan support uh, from MPs in Parliament, he would he would make an aku janji, uh, like a letter of uh, undertaking, uh, to say to state that uh, July next year would be the latest for GE15 to be held a year from less than a year from now. Uh, I think this is premature, and I believe it has not been thought out uh, properly because we still don't know how the pandemic is going to be. And I think the important thing is the economy and livelihood and lives of people before the election. It would be catastrophic to have to even talk about elections at this point. Um, and uh, so these are the things that he, he kept mentioning yesterday. Um, I think if he was really serious about seeing all these things through, it should have been done a long time ago. Um, and these are reforms that we have been asking for for years. Even when PH was in power, we asked for these reforms. When BN was in power prior to that, we asked for these reforms. Equal allocation. Now, the question here is, if Maidin Yassin had majority support in parliament, would he still be offering all this to us? Would he okay, still so that, with, 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 that, with, with that with that question, YB, with, with that question, we're going to we're going to ask we're going to ask Thomas uh, the same question that you 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 put. Uh, Patrick, you want to put that question to you know? Do you... <laughs> anyway, let me. Because Patrick he's, is so, he's so mesmerized with all these all these answers. Because there's so many things that he's promised, you see, <laughs> and 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 it sounds like it sounds so it rings familiar, but at the same time, you know, it it's almost like because he's got his back against the wall, it almost sounds that it's because he's got the back against the wall, so he's saying something that it sounds familiar to us, and therefore we are supposed to. So does it sound, uh, Thomas? Does it sound like he's actually lost the majority? 
Is it an indication? What do you think? No, it doesn't sound like he actually admitted that he lost his majority because he said there's no one with a majority. But uh, who is to decide that other than parliament itself? Uh, but uh, in his uh, own way, he actually admitted he lost the majority and that's why he's reaching out to the opposition with uh, these deals. We call it confidence and supply agreement. In exchange uh, for your support on confidence vote and also supply bill, I give you back you know, all these reforms. Now, I, I don't want to be too quick to brush off this reform because, you know, these are the very reform that we in Brussels have been pushing for for years, for decades. And, you know, Pakatan Harapan came to power uh, with the Buku Harapan manifesto that contains all these reforms. It's nothing new. But the timing of it was that, uh, as you say, his back is against the wall and he then put it on the table for negotiation. But, you know, I, I also want to say that uh, perhaps that is the only way that we are going to see some of these important reforms. When a uh, government is weak and its back is against the wall. Because even when, uh, pardon me, you know, Kasturi, when Pakatan Harapan was in power for 22 months, uh, none of this reform was uh, put into place though it was clearly promised. Because once you're in power and you don't have your back against the wall, there's really no incentive. Because what this reform means is that it gives you as the government, uh, the incumbent, all these perks and privileges and power. So why should I let go of it? You know, But it's only when we have a weak government. I mean, this is, I think, the argument of uh, Tony Poir as well, you know where you have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see some of this reform being made into law. Now, what this reform being offered are, it means it levels the playing field between the government and the opposition. That the recognition of the opposition leader to the status of a senior minister, uh, I, I don't look at that as bribery, because, again, we have been calling for the past year for the recognition of the opposition leader to that status simply because uh, in order for the opposition to be an effective check and balance, you need that recognition and that support so that it can play an effective role to be a check and balance in our democracy. But, of course, the timing of it, when your back is against the wall, it sounds like a bribe. You know, and, and 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 probably some definitely see it as that way, but just, just I think read, just move, read, just moving read, forward, read. yeah, an important point I want to say. Sure. Moving forward from this, I think don't put aside the the proposal for reform. I want to challenge the opposition, Pakatan Harapan, or any combination of that, to also counter offer, make us a better offer than Muhyiddin Yassin. Uh, for reform if you want to secure majority uh, in this parliament, then we, we will say that is a good move. Sorry. Just read, just, just kind of reading up from last night, early this morning, you know, what 
analysts are saying, what political parties are saying with regard to this olive branch. Some are for it, some are against it. But the general sentiments, I, I guess, in the ground, at least for me, there's an issue. There's, there's, a, there's a trust deficit at the moment. Uh, you know, uh, would this be carried through? You know, if if your back wasn't against the wall, would you would you look, would you even look at this? So the question is: Is this an opportunity, or to build trust, or is this an opportunity to strengthen political powers? That's kind of a thing. You know, you you are kind of stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea kind of a thing. Uh, YB, you want to say something? Um, I think uh, there are few ways to look at this situation. Um, I I agree. I I like I like a lot of these proposals. Uh, some of it, you know, it's a bit questionable. Um, but then the circumstances of it being offered to to MPs, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, this will create a very dangerous precedence uh, in how Parliament is therefore. Um, conducted or run, this will create a precedence that every time a, a prime minister is uh, faced with a situation of, uh, of of being on the losing end of a numbers game, that he will pull out wild cards like this and say, oh, we will do this and we will do that as long as we get support. It will never end, you know. And how do we, how are we supposed to embrace a robust, healthy democracy if you have Leaders, leaders who keep doing this or rather doing something like this just so that they can continue to be in power. So like what I mentioned earlier, uh, Father, if if Maidin Yassin has the support, like the numbers he had last year when his entire coalition was intact before the withdrawals, the pullouts, the unhappiness and all, he, he never mentioned all this, even though these were issues we had already brought up in Parliament equal allocation, anti-hopping bill, etc., and many other issues as well. He never quite included us in the beginning to be part of groups to talk about reforms, to talk about how do we move forward as a, as a team to combat COVID. Even then, it was just solely on the shoulders of the Director General of Health. We were not included. It's just of late, you see more engagement of the opposition with the government when you know we try to reach out to them and say we have ideas and proposals do you want to listen to them? We have, you know, we want to move forward and etc. But I think not all ministers are open to that as well. We have seen uh, over the months, maybe two or three months, that the finance minister was quite open to sitting down and speaking to uh, leaders from various opposition parties and maybe even reaching out to civil society to talk to them, uh, you know, in his personal capacity as finance minister. Um, but all this didn't happen before. Today, we have 12,000 deaths. Today, he doesn't have the numbers. Today, we have more than 1 million people who are infected. Today, we have dwindling numbers of people getting vaccinated as well. It's sort of plateaued already. Today, he's talking to us about all these democratic reforms. You know. So, I, I'd i like to, to talk about it under more, um, how do I say, ethical circumstances. For, for more than one year, the Prime Minister has held that position. And for more than one year, he has not spoken about all this and other issues as well. There's a delay on so many bills that are important to be tabled in Parliament. I don't know if any of y'all heard about the Social Worker uh, Act or not. I mean, that would come in so important at a time like this when everyone's tight and just, you know, lack of manpower and all that. A bill like that would help a lot with social workers reaching out to people who, are, who have fallen through the cracks. And 
that's something that should have been tabled and passed in parliament but was never given priority so while you tell us not to politicize issues i hold the mirror back to your face to tell you the same you know don't politicize this issue but it looks like yesterday's announcement is is that um i uh, regarding what Thomas mentioned about the senior minister post, I think um, uh, um, a lot of other things could have been offered as well. I'm actually quite disappointed with the, this number of offers, the seven only. I, um, I, I'm sure that there's a long list that you all can provide. Uh, to <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think essentially that there, there is a long list. It's a matter yes. of prioritizing, like, you know, prioritizing. What? So there are certain things that he may have even backtracked. Because there's one question, um, maybe I can just put put this thing in um, for those of you who are listening in um, if you have questions for both uh, YB and Thomas Fun, uh, please put the questions in the comment section um, uh, there, there's one question that is there now, um, maybe you can bring it up um, from Lily Theresia um, so I think this is a question for, for both of you, you know actually um, so maybe you could uh, each uh, answer this question. Uh, maybe we can take with uh, Thomas because you've been, you know, um, as chairman of Bursay yeah. and, and you're, you're looking at it. So could you maybe answer this question? Yeah. You know, I, I want to answer that question also respond to Kasturi that uh, such uh, offer and negotiation may set a dangerous precedent uh, for our country when a prime minister has his back against the wall and he pull out this offer. Um, I just want to say that, you know, in many, many developed democracy in Europe, New Zealand, this is the way government function. Very few party has majority, outright majority, and they have to enter into agreement with smaller party to have a majority to rule. And this is where then they negotiate about what uh, would be expected of that party. Now, this is better than the kind of negotiation that Malaysia is used to, where they offer uh, durian 30 plo ringgit, you know, where they offer uh, money to buy loyalty from and poach uh, MPs from the other side. And all this underhanded mean. I mean, we, if this is a precedent, I would say that, first of all, it is not a bad precedent that parties start negotiating with each other, especially right now, our situation. We talk about uh, the, of course, absolutely, there's a lack of trust, trust deficit with the current government. They have not, you know, uh, shown themselves to be trustworthy. And yet, at the same time, the question that the elephant in the room is really, um, is there a majority then? Would there be a majority? Quite likely, Pakatan Harapan, uh, looking at the, the the posturing of Amno, who uh, is now like the kingmaker, they are not going to work with Pakatan and install Anwar Ibrahim as the prime minister. So then how would Anwar, if he wants to become the next prime minister, um, command a majority, if not through this sort of confidence and supply agreement uh, as well. So this may be the new norm in politics in Malaysia, even with a snap general election, uh, the outcome may be that there is no uh, two coalition, 
but there will be maybe two main blocks with no simple majority and that is where they have to work with each other negotiate now what is been offered negotiated these are important reforms for everybody and i think i repeat my challenge to pakatan harapan you know make a counter offer yes it's not exhaustive but you know whatever is offered on the table is subject to negotiation and i would say that you know i mean if you want to consider supporting mark uh, muhyiddin uh, then you negotiate but if you don't then you counter offer to muhyiddin and say this is my better offer why don't you support me so that i can become yeah. the next prime minister just so before, this just is before, important yeah just before we we take the other question i mean just alluding to what you said thomas i, I think you said this could be the new way of doing things you know what runs through my mind is that if you look at, at GE 14, the people made their decision. They made their choice. All right. So whatever alliances, whatever you want to do, it happens before. It happens before the election. So the Rakyat knows, okay, this is the alliance. This is what it is. But when things happen after the election, like now, making deals, you know, what do, what, what do we as, as citizens say? Do we have a say in this matter? Because now... Our wakil rakyat is making deals uh, in such a form that maybe we have not said what we wanted. The people have said what they wanted, but things have changed. So how do we, where, where do we stand in this? You know, if things are going to happen after the elections, a situation like this. Okay. You know, I mean, quite quite likely, you know, if you have an election from now on, uh, you're going to have a situation that no one party or coalition has the majority but the dominant party would have the opportunity to form government with other smaller party whether it is warisan muda pejuang or or what and then that is where the dominant party's agenda manifesto will largely remain intact but it would also incorporate the views you know of the smaller party so that they can form a working majority uh, to function as a government for a period. And I think what we uh, are calling for is a more substantial reform uh, in, in a sense of uh, that if we really want uh, representative politics, we actually need to look at reforming the electoral system itself where what we have right now is first past the post. So it kind of like force party then to, to form coalition, whether they agree or not, you know, form coalition. But if you have a proportional representation system like in Germany and a mix with a constituency-based system, then the seats stay with the party, you know. So this problem of party hopping will be dealt with and people are free to vote for the party of their choice uh, rather than a coalition that they may not fully agree with. And then these parties already form pre-election agreement that they will be together, will form the, the next government. So I, I, I think that uh, as this may, as we may be with the current topsy-turvy situation of politics, we do want to look at opportunities for reform. And, and I think 
I think, again, I hope that uh, the opposition will not just brush away their own proposal for reform, but they come back to us with a better offer. Perhaps we can take the, the, the earlier question, YB, maybe the question of Lily just now, you know. Uh, how sure are you that once a majority has been has been cast, uh, there'll be no backtracking? Is that because you know it's something that we have seen before? So you know the people are also concerned. You know, although this is a new kind of um, a politics that we're looking at, which I think is good, it's vibrant. You know, like what Thomas said, it's it's good, it's it's healthy, and um, it may be a new norm for politics because there is no clear majority. It could actually work for the people. You know. Um, but people also need to have their voice. But how can we be sure that there will be no backtracking? Um, okay, but before that, can I just uh, address what uh, Thomas mentioned? Uh, well, looks I do. Like, looks like looks like this is going, going to be a Bursay and DAP kind of a question <laughs> <laughs> and and rebuttal. But let's 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 take let's take the question. Let's 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 give Lily the question, and then we probably have some time to okay to talk. okay yeah okay. Um, so um, actually, the, there's no guarantee that there will not be any backtracking. To be to be honest, uh, there's no law in place to say you have to do this and you have to do that. Um, so I, I I wonder if um, there would be any mechanisms in place, uh, perhaps um, uh, an oversight body in Parliament to to monitor these sort of uh, um, pledges that have been made, whether or not um, they 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 would be carried out because as we had seen compared to a manifesto which is just a, a document but it is a document that we all use when we went down campaigning uh, to speak to our constituents um, uh, so at the end of the day uh, um, it is it is your moral compass that should guide you when you make a, an announcement you make a pledge you make a promise in parliament that you must deliver so one one simple thing one simple point i just like to raise was uh, last year, in the finance minister's speech, he did mention that 150,000 laptops will be allocated for B40 students. We are already in the middle of coming to the middle of August, and we don't know what is the state of that distribution of those laptops for B40 students, especially now. So, when you make a statement in Parliament, when you ask a question in Parliament, you are accountable to that. That the house, you know, you're accountable to your people, you're accountable as an executive, you're accountable to 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 the, the position that you are in. So um and how do you how do you get ministers to say, oh, you know, this will be done and then later on that is not executed, you know. So um I I I don't know if there's any mechanism in place. Um I don't think there is and I hope there will be. Um, a mechanism that will be able to monitor. Of course, there can be reports that will tell the government you made all these pledges out of this, so much was achieved and all that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's so it's a lot of power with governments whether they want to carry on and and, and execute these promises that they have made or not. Um, so, but very quickly, uh, can I also just go back to what Thomas mentioned? I, I agree that this sort of CSA, the Confidence and Supply Agreement, uh, works in other countries, but also, like what Father Clarence said, there is a huge trust deficit, you know, and every and and we have not seen a maturity in even the way the government has conducted itself over the decades. So, to me, coming to terms uh, um, um, to sit and break bread with them and and and, and to talk about issues of 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 the interests of the people of the nation, um, I would like to see 
openness from the side of the government also to accept uh, proposals, suggestions and ideas. And if, if you can't even do that in parliament, I mean, even now at this situation, if, even with a simple majority, even when BN was in power, when we proposed, you hardly hear a minister say, oh, that's a good idea, you know, we will include you in a, con a discussion group, or that's actually very good. And you, you never hear that from them. So when you have been so conditioned to this side of a very partisan sort of politics, very, you know, it's us against you and it's you against us sort of politics, it will take a while, I think, for us to move in the direction of a CSA. Uh, but at the moment, uh, it is like carrots uh, dangling uh, um, before us. We all want to put the needs of the people ahead and we should and we must. Um, but at what cost, you know, sometimes... Uh, if, if I'm promised allocation for my constituency, but at a cost that I must give blind support to the Prime Minister in all the bills and all that, that, that takes away my right as an MP to oppose and to speak in Parliament and to speak my mind. So that's just my little take on the, on the CSA. So now I think maybe um, from a perspective, uh, maybe Thomas, I've got this question. Um, because right now where there's this deal making happening, right? This deal making that, that, that that's trying to be Established and like what you said, you know, let's consider uh, what what's on the table. Um, so it like it could be one or two iterations. It's not going to. They may not take the, the whatever is offered now. But in the meantime, I think the rakyat who is suffering, the rakyat that is that is, you know, even the young people have just come out and 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 done their own. I might I call it their own rally lah. They, they came out uh, marvelously the other day in the thousands. Um, how can regular citizens like us, knowing that we can't go out, um, there's, there's all these lockdowns, there's all these, these limitations, how can we make our voice heard in the, in the correct manner? Right now, we're, all we're doing is we're sharing videos, we're, we're, you know, we're commenting here and there, but how can we make our voice heard? I mean, we're, we're signing change.org, but you know, we don't know what's happening, you know, uh, those kind of petitions. As as a, as an election watchdog and as the voice of you know you've you've brought hundreds of thousands of people to the streets before you know per se. What are the avenues that in this current pandemic? How can we make our voice heard? In which way we want to see the country go? Yes, um, we are launching a new campaign, and we call this campaign Ketuanan Pengundi. Uh, the supremacy of voters because I think laws in all this uh, past one and a half years of politicking is actually the voice of the voters as you say, the rights of the voters has been sidelined totally so with this campaign Ketuanan Pengundi we want to put the conversation the focus, the priority right back you know, on the voters, the right of the voter because this is a democracy. That's what it is about. The right of the voter to, to elect the, the government of their choice and also so that the government can serve them and provide them a better livelihood than what they have now. I think that is the aspiration. But uh, that that whole agenda has been put aside. So in for Brissett, in the next uh, uh, two years, if we are going full term to the next uh, general election, we are launching this uh, campaign called Ketuanan Pengundi. Now, this Ketuanan uh, Pengundi has six pillars or six demands. And uh, I, I'll explain this. First of all, is that we call for that there should be 
no suppression of our votes. Do not suppress our vote. Huh? When, when we talk do not suppress our vote, we talk about the Undi 18 situation where you agreed, you know, to do the right thing, you know, to lower voting age to 18. Now, Malaysia, prior to that, is one of the very few handful of countries in the world, uh, together with Singapore, that still maintain at 21. But uh, the rest of the world already at 18, most of them, some even at 17. Uh, so doing the right thing to lower is not doing us a favor, it's just doing the right thing. But then you delay in the implementation. Uh, so we, we say that uh, stop making the excuse. And so Muhyiddin made that promise. We show that it was possible after all, you know, instead of making excuse that it would take time, need and different thing. So uh, only 18, uh, automatic voter registration, because right now, if you want to be a voter in Malaysia, you have to go through several hoops, go to post office, fill up a duplicate form and wait for three to six months. And nobody will tell you whether you're registered or not. And you have to find out yourself. It is an onerous process. So make that automatic. But the other big thing about suppression of vote is that, you know, we have a lot of Malaysians who are not living within their hometown, their constituency because of economic reason or education. And, and, and just using Sabah, Sabahan and Sarawakian, there's more than 500,000 Sabahan and Sarawakian living in a peninsula because of jobs opportunity. Yet when it comes to voting, they have to fly back at their own cost in their own kampong to vote for, for, for their constituency, their rep over there. Because they see their time in Malaysia as temporary only. Their heart and soul still belong to Sabah and Sarawak. So we should facilitate that. You know, the election commission has a duty and the ability to provide them with advanced voting. That's what we're calling for. Do not suppress their vote. So uh, then second demand is stop party hopping. This is the big issue, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, if we don't come up with a solution, whether it's anti-party hopping law, which we are not in favor of, we are more in favor of recall election. Recall election is where, when a uh, MP defect or go independent, it is to his or her voter to decide whether to recall or to affirm the defection. Because, you know, not all defections are bad. I mean, before G14, when Muhyiddin Yassin and was uh, sacked or, or resigned from AMNO and Shafi Abda, all of us applauded principles then. Good, you know, right thing to do. You know, and why suddenly it's become bad now? Because not all defections are bad. Some are done on principle. So the best people who should decide should be the voters who elected you. So recall election is that. Because anti-party hopping law is automatic. It doesn't matter whatever reason, you know, you have to vacate your seat and then contest again. But in Malaysia law, you can't contest again. Uh, so there has to be a party hopping law uh, and there has to be also a reform of parliament, which was a lot of the goodies offered by the prime minister. Right now, the parliament is like a market, a circus, shouting, you know, but we want to see a parliament that actually works for the people. The select committee that Kasturi mentioned about in the UK parliament uh, is the way parliamentarian works, you know, bipartisanly on laws, bills, 
that affect all of us. They discuss in community, go through it, you know, and come to some consensus before it's brought to debate in the House and voted upon. Instead of right now, the, the executive decide, the, the attorney general draft the bill, and the day of the debate or the day before is put on the table of parliamentarian and they shout at each other across the aisle. In the end, the government still carries. You know, that's not the way laws should be made. There should be a lot of consultation, hearing of views. So parliamentary select committees, which would, I have to commend Pakatan Harapan, they, when they took power, they, they, they started uh, up to 10 parliamentary select committees to work together in a bipartisan manner. And uh, though that was continued after Prakatan took over, uh, we are still far from seeing the ideal. Uh, but uh, parliamentary reform has to work. But for parliament to be effective check and balance, you also need it to be financially independent, not dependent on the executive. Now, the, the prime minister holds the first spring for parliament. He determined the agenda for parliament. Now, just now we talk about can, can all these promises we didn't be trusted? Certainly don't trust a man's word. Never trust a politician's word. But <laughs> we have to... No, I'm not saying that they are not all trustworthy. But I think it's foolhardy if we just look at personality, who can trust, who cannot trust. No, don't trust politician. Don't trust a person. But trust the system and the structure and the law. So one quick thing that the Pakatan can do if they want to hold Muhyiddin or whoever to their promise, is to remove some of the power of the uh, Speaker of Parliament to decide the agenda uh, in the House. Because now the if the opposition want to move a motion of no confidence, it is up to the Speaker who takes his directive from the Prime Minister whether to allow that or not. Now, if you take away that power through an amendment to the standing order, straight away, you know, the, the executive has to listen to you because they, if they don't fulfill their promise, you can move a motion of no confidence against the prime minister anytime. And also, there are opportunities when it comes to budget bills to vote it down and to remove the prime minister, you know. So, uh, dismantle and then put into a place a mechanism that can hold them uh, uh, accountable. Then, of course, the civil liberties, uh, that's our fourth amendment, need to be prote protected in a democracy. The fifth one is the rule of law. What we are seeing in this uh, pandemic is the double standards. If you are a prime minister, you don't have to follow, or a minister, uh, you don't have to follow the SOP. The rest of us citizens, we get fined 10,000 and uh, we sent to jail and all kind of things. But the minister asleep on the rest, risk 2,000 ringgit fine, you know? It's, it's the kind of double standard. If you're the opposition member, you get persecuted, prosecuted, charged with all kind of things. But if you align yourself with the government, you know, then your charges get dropped or disappear suddenly and your case get acquitted in court. These are rule of law that are not followed. And one of the main problems is that the Attorney General who has been appointed the Prime Minister uh, also is the public prosecutor. He decides who to charge, who not to charge. These two offices have to be separated. Public prosecutor has to be an independent institution and person to decide uh, fairly. And lastly, uh, is to
to restore local democracy. Right now, just to quickly say, the power structure of Malaysia is this way. If you are the prime minister, you are, have almost limitless power and Putrajaya controls 90% of decision-making and resources. What we need to see over time is a flattening of the curve of power, you know, whereby a lot of the power go back to the state's government to make meaningful decisions like where to place a bus stop and uh, what's the bus route. Uh, and then so that they can then release power to us, the people, ratepayer, to hold local council election. Because right now we pay our rates, but we have no say in who runs our council community and how money are spent. So these are the, the issues that we want to put forth to the public in a package called Ketuanan Pengundi. And we ask for the public to support us in that and making this demand to the political parties so that they commit themselves as part of the manifesto for GE15. You know, I think that's how we would want to move forward. I, I want to bring uh, YB Kasturi to something that Thomas said. Don't worry, nothing to rebut Berse or anything he said. Uh, he talked about the, the, the vote of confidence, okay? Uh, no, I'm not talking about the role of the speaker, but you can have a whole show about that after what we, we, we see on TV. Uh, but just walk us through if in September there's going to be a vote of confidence. Uh, very quickly, in a simple way, what are the steps? What happens in Parliament? How, how, how is it brought forward? Um, thank you, Father. Um, Father, I think before I answer that question, I must say that... Um, the first, the first parliament sitting of the year is officiated by the king, uh, and and that's when the king will deliver his his tita uh, diraja, the royal address, and then we debate on the royal address, and the the script of usually the script would be prepared by the prime minister's department, sent over to the palace, and the palace will go through it. I'm I'm very curious, and I know many Malaysians out there, including legal eagles, um, would be probably thinking. How does the Prime Minister, who doesn't command the majority, therefore behave as though everything is normal and prepare the script for the king? And the king would then read that script acknowledging that government of the day. In my opinion, the voting or the vote of confidence or no confidence uh, against the leadership of the Prime Minister must happen before the first sitting of Parliament with a new government, with a new mandate of the MP. So in this case, assuming Mahade, uh, sorry, assuming Mayadin decides to call for parliament before the 6th of September, what I predict, uh, because I was not around at the time that Tun Hussein allowed for a motion of confidence against him uh, to, be, to be tabled in parliament, uh, I believe um, that it would be, if it is a one day sitting allotted only for that, uh, then I believe um, the speaker would then uh, acknowledge the house and say that he has received this motion and uh, it would be perhaps will be called to vote. Um, so normally in Malaysia, um, voting for any bills is done very, very traditional. We are very, very primitive. Uh, it's a undi swaral. Uh, and these are for your general normal bills that are passed, uh, whether it's amendment or new bills. Um, and the loudest voice, the loudest the, the, the part of the section of parliament that has the loudest voice is the one that the 
the speaker will then announce to say, oh, you know, more people agree, less people. Uh, is that, so is that, is that the same for the vote of confidence or no confidence? I believe no. Okay. Uh, I think it will be a secret ballot as how we would normally vote for um, uh, the, Pope. the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> like so, how we elect the Pope. It's a secret ballot. Are they going to take you into a conclave? Like, you know, okay, anyway. Yeah, so, so it's a, it's a secret I ballot. I hope not. Um, but, yeah. So I believe it would be a secret ballot, um, Father, as how we normally used to. Sure. In the past, when we had to vote for a speaker, it was a secret ballot. Um, unless there's a call for a, a division voting. So division voting would mean that um, every block in parliament will have a representative who's given a clipboard. So he would hold the clipboard and call out the MP's name and say, you agree or don't agree, you agree or don't agree, and he marks it. And then they all come together and they'll tabulate the, the numbers. Um, so, but I think it would be a secret ballot. I, I, unless, unless there's a motion by any MP to say, I propose a, a division or block voting, where you need 15 MPs to stand to say, I support this motion, and then the speaker can then allow it. So that will be more transparent, you see. Then you will know yeah. who are the MPs who supported and who didn't. Okay. What would be your preference, uh, Kasturi, uh, by division where it's open or secret ballot? What do you think? For me, um, I think um, it can be division. Yeah, public. Yeah? public. I, I agree. I think this is such an important issue. Mm. We want mm. to know where our MP stands. Yeah. You know, on, on this important issue of uh, electing or supporting who's going to be the prime minister. Mm -hmm. And uh, secret ballot, I think uh, nobody would know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Thomas, even secret ballot means at the end of the day, when you count the numbers, what you want to show at the end of the day is whether that person deserves to be sitting in that seat as prime minister, as the Ketua Majlis of Parliament, etc. Um, you know, I, some for me, I have no issue coming out openly and saying I don't have any more trust and confidence in this person. But okay. some MPs who have vested interests, yeah. who are, you know, yeah, so they might find it On difficult. the other side, yeah, yes. they will be and struggling. A, yes, so a secret but, ballot would help them. Oh, good lah. I think, I think at, the end, at the end of this conversation, we are able to bring the, the YB and, and Thomas to agree on something. Uh, I, saw that, <laughs> I saw that. We, we, we actually have a lot of agreement. We oh, have a lot just, of agreement. Just, you just know? Kidding. A lot, a lot. Yes, yeah. But can, can I play the host uh, next uh, uh, by asking the next question to Kasturi? Okay, let's say, let's say uh, after Muhyiddin taken the vote of no confidence and as expected, he lost it and he has to resign. Uh, then how are you going to determine who is going to be the next Prime Minister? What should be the next step? Uh, I believe it would be for leaders of political parties to go back to the drawing board and then select a person uh, who has the numbers, the majority support, and then... So, horse trading again. Well... In the back room. In the back room. And uh, CSA. I hope it's not durians that they're offering. But it's, uh, I haven't reform. been offered anything though, so... yeah. <laughs> Some of your colleagues have been, you know. Yeah, so, four of them. But, but you know, the, 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 the reality is that uh, there still need to be negotiation between the parties because we do need a government, a functioning government. Yeah. We cannot 
afford to go for long period, especially now, without a functioning government leadership in the country. So, AP, you know, uh, they have to settle among themselves and then come back to parliament again for a confidence vote for this person, you know, to settle it once and for all that he has the majority yeah. uh, to, to lead the government and be appointed by the Agong. Mm. You know, I think all this running around to the palace with statutory declaration, this has to be stopped and move away. Yeah. We have come to an hour and a half, though we kind of agreed for a one-hour conversation. I'm, and I'm sure we can go on with a lot of other questions. Uh, but we do have to, to bring this conversation to, to a conclusion. Um, just some final words, you know, just to conclude this, uh, uh, YB, what would you like to say to, to our audience? You know, could you offer some words of hope uh, for our audience out there at this time? Uh, um, I think uh, what's important is that, um, as what Father mentioned, is it's a time that, that, is, that tests our faith. It's a time that tests our our confidence and trust in the leaders that we had one time liked to see leading the nation. Uh, it is a test of our patience. It is our test of uh, uh, our uh, morale. Um, and uh, I know there are many many of y'all out there who are suffering in silence. I know many of them, many of y'all out there who are, who feel very hopeless. Uh, my message is to not give up hope. Uh, to reach to reach out for help. Um, uh, whether it's through your local elected reps, whether it's through your local places of worship, whether it's through your local uh, civil society or your neighbor, and to look out for each other. Um, be, be careful about sharing um, fake news because it just, it just you know, it, it, it does no service to, to, to what is currently happening now. I mean, that has been happening. All of us have been getting all these fake news on our our phones for the past twelve hours or so. You know, is this true? Did this person jump? This person defect? I think what's important is just to to observe what is happening in the country with eyes open, with ears open. Uh, you know, and then to to I think it's time for all of us to come together to pray for the nation, uh, to pray for deliverance, to pray for that God um leaders out of this turmoil, that God leaders out of this challenging time and um, to fill all hearts that are dried and hopeless, to fill their hearts with hope, to fill our hearts with peace, with kindness, with mercy, compassion. Uh, and, and we pray for our leaders to be given courage to speak up uh, when they need to, uh, without fear or favor. I, I think at the end of the day, that's what we need to do. Yeah. Thomas, uh, over to you. Thank Some you. words of encouragement uh, as we... Certainly. I mean, uh, very similar to what Kasturi uh, has said, you know, don't give up hope because uh, there is real uh, possibility also that uh, we are seeing basically an opportunity to rebuild the country on a stronger footing. And what has been happening, I think, over the last, uh, not just one and a half years, but some would say even goes back to the 12th general election uh, when there was a political tsunami. Some would even say it goes back even further when there was a reformacy um, that uh, the movement for change by the people ground up has been gaining momentum. 
Now, what we saw with the Sheraton move, these are pushback, fight back by forces that re resist change. They want their status quo. Yep. But this is not the time, I think, for us, the people, to hold back, to, to let go, because it just means that the momentum for change has threatened some uh, of these elites, and we have to continue to push through. Now, what to push through? I think, as Brasse, we are responsible, and we have done basically the homework to identify the areas of reform needed for this country. These are very important reforms. You can take some of this up or all this up and support what we are doing, you know, by, by sharing and by talking to your MPs and by, you know, uh, just educating your, your friends around. Because at the end of the day, all politicians, they look at how, what the people want, because what they want is your vote. And if you say, I want this reform, I support this reform, then it is the politician that who will offer themselves to be elected that will bring about the reform. But I want to caution against throwing away the political system and the important role of government. You know, uh, if we lose heart and, and put aside all politicians and, and brush them with one stroke that they are not worthy of support, then we are heading into a situation of uh, anarchy where there's no leader. And the worst thing is that in that desperate state, a populist person can come around and say, I can solve all your problem if you vote for me. You know, I can settle. No, that was how Hitler came to power. He was elected by the German people in the midst of an economic crisis. He, made, he promised them heaven and earth, you know, on and everything and and they 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 were in their frustration they voted for someone like him and there are others that i can quote but i won't you know that's the danger we are in no mm -hmm. don't throw away the system let's fix it together let's fix it yeah. together i think that is that's that's very very sound very sound advice from from both of you uh, not to give up hope uh, and secondly also not to not to give up your right uh, to vote, I think that's very important. You know, even even when things are, are difficult and you feel like not you know not making a difference. I think at the end of the day, it's every vote counts, isn't it? Every single person, every person has to take on the responsibility to shape our own future. Thank you very much, uh, Thomas YB, for this very interesting conversation. For taking time off uh, on a Saturday morning to to be with us. Uh, I think it, it gives us uh, greater clarity as to where we want to move towards. And I think the whole purpose of this conversation is two, the two things. One is not to lose hope. Secondly, is citizens have to write our own narrative for our country. I think we have to kind of take hold of, of that responsibility. Uh, and I mean, I'm not pushing away uh, politicians, but we give them we give them we give them the mandate as to what to do what we want them to do yeah, yeah. there was an article about being wakil right yet so you are our wakil you are our voice i think uh, it, uh you know before before uh, the uh birthday campaign comes up uh, i think what everybody can do right now especially those who are tuning in uh through youtube and through facebook is to now really pray for our wakil right yeah 
that they make the right decisions because you know it's a very very um narrow path that they have to be able to wade through you know and that they have the the wisdom and the strength um, the courage of conviction to really do the right thing so you know uh, thanks again to to YB um, for all that you're doing for for all of us, and we will pray for you. And um, you. Thomas, we will also pray for you um, okay. that you will lead, you know, lead the, the election watchdog uh, Verse. Um, we really enjoyed uh, going down in the streets those days, uh, but now I guess the, dyma the dynamics are going to be different because of COVID. Um, so we we look forward to other modes of expressing our our views so maybe we could uh, just invite father for yeah, a we say, we say prayer, a prayer. pray the father son father, and the holy son. spirit amen dear lord we thank you for this conversation this morning we we bring to you the situation of our country the health the economic the political we pray lord that you come to us at this time that your glory may shine we pray for all those who are struggling at this time through the pandemic through the economic difficulties we pray for our our mps to give them a clarity of mind and heart to be able to stand up for truth and justice because it is always the truth that would set us free bless us watch over us and help us to walk faithfully in the path that you have called us we pray all this in jesus name amen amen father son holy spirit amen. thank you thank you so much thank you everyone Thank you for thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Joining us. Thank you for all your comments and and uh, your your questions. Uh, continue to like and share and uh, uh, comment and subscribe to Catholics at Home either on podcast um, on on YouTube uh, or uh, like us on Facebook. All right. So. With that, uh, we would like to call this uh, the evening. We praise. Uh, we want to uh, wish everybody a good uh, and blessed weekend, and we will see you again next week. All right, take care.
Oh.